you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, and that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still masking, socially distancing when and where necessary. Joined by your pal Michael F. Florio. And uh, Florio, it's been, uh, I don't know, I'd say a wild couple days. I feel like I feel like things are happening, um, but we've all been sort of drowned out by like, you know, GameStop and, and AMC <laughs> and everything. Like, I feel like that has been, I don't know that have football things happened. So I feel like we've been just surrounded by, by stonks talk for the last few days. So it's weird because like I have to scroll through my timeline to actually get to football stuff because everything <laughs> is just like NBA top shot and stonks this week. Like that is my entire timeline right now. Um, it's weird. It seems like, like the weekends are calm and we could watch football and then the weekdays lately have just been insane. Okay, explain to me top shot. Like I have seen people talk about this and like I was I'm I've never been a card collector. So like I just know it's some it's like the new form of card collecting. It's like the future of collectibles. I I don't even know what this is. 
So I bought my first NBA Top Shot last night just because I was bored. I bought like a $2 Knicks Mitchell Robinson one. And it's basically digital trading cards. And for me, like when I first heard about it, I was like, this sounds dumb. Why are people paying for a video that we can get for free online? But then it, it's just basically what like it's collectors items that uh, like they release a certain number of each card or, or, or the packs. And basically it's just, trading cards that you can't hold or anything but you can watch on your computer screen okay um look i i i admit that you know again i'm not a collector and i am probably aging quickly out of the demographic for which this is intended um so i'm not gonna yuck anybody else's yums i just i saw somebody say that they tweet they had spent like a hundred grand on one of these like yeah um wow all right uh I don't really don't say about it other than good for you. And I hope it works out. Um, I I will not invest anything more than like the $2 investment I put in the other day, but I'll buy like the packs maybe. But yeah, some people are just, they're going all in on this and hoping that it's the future. Also, what happens to the folks who who do unboxing videos? Uh, you know, I, I know that, you know, look, there's a uh, friend of the program, if you will, Al, Al Smizzle on Twitter. Uh, he does like unboxing videos where he opens packs. Like, what what happens for those folks? Uh, I I think they're hoping that this kind of flames out and isn't the future. Because <laughs> maybe they can coexist, but it feels to me like the people who are interested in trading cards and unboxing are also going to be the the collectors interested in Top Shot. Probably true, uh, Steve. I know you, you you had some thoughts. I don't know if you know any more about this than I do. I would love to hear your your thoughts on this. I, I mean, I agree. This is like an absolutely ridiculous idea, um, but because you can find these clips online anyway. But I will say that, like, probably a year and a half ago, I went in my old uh, my old closet and I found that Charizard Pokemon card, and I sold that on eBay for like two thousand dollars. Um, wow. really, it was like the first edition, like mint, like uh, Charizard card. I actually kind of like miss it a little bit, to be honest. But uh, and maybe that'll be what these these uh, will be. Uh, I so I'm, not gonna knock it. I'm not going to knock it. I, I'm not going to knock it either. I'm just saying that I don't get it. Like I and again, I I was the kid who. When I was little, I thought the whole point of collecting baseball cards was just to get as many as possible. I didn't realize you're supposed to. Cause like I used to just play with them. I would like lay them out on the floor and like, you know, line up, you know, the American League versus National League All-Star teams and like actually try to play games. And so like they all got kind of, you know, wrinkled and messed up because I, I didn't understand. I didn't understand that the whole point was to collect them and they turned into money. I, I, I didn't get it. Maybe you can like line them up in order in an order and then create like a game or like a movie. <laughs> I so I bought two. I bought one and they're from the same game. One was a Mitchell Robinson dunk because there was no packs available last night. They they drop randomly apparently. Um so you can only buy individual moments. And I bought an Alec Burke assist, two Knicks, and they're from the same game. So I think if I kind of get enough from that game, I could piece it together and maybe just watch the whole game. That would be amazing. Now I would I would be willing to like I'm not gonna invest in that, but I'd be willing to see somebody else invest in that. Like that would be kind of fun. And it's it's the Knicks, so it's they're not like their top dollar or anything. <laughs> exactly. You know, you're not put, you're not putting the other like, you know, the, the 2015 Warriors or something like that. So uh yeah. All right. I learned something new today. So I appreciate that, guys. Um all right. Uh we are finishing our exit interviews. We got our final four teams. Uh, into in today's session, uh, we will wrap this up, and then 
Uh, just a, a quick side note. We are back with you again next week. As always, we got two shows next week. Uh, we're going to go dark for a week. We're going to, once the Super Bowl hits, uh, we're going to take a week off and then we'll regroup and we'll be back with you the week after. So, uh, you know, I'll remind you again next week, but uh, just know that coming up, we're going to, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to take a breath. We're going to regroup. And then, uh, you know, we will dive headlong into the fantasy offseason. But uh, let's kind of wrap this up. We will start at pick number 29, which is uh, you know, sort of where we left off the last time, with the Green Bay Packers, 13-3. and They win the division. Uh, yet once again, they are left wanting because they lose in another NFC championship game, this time losing at home at Lambeau Field to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, Florida, up until that point, it had been a great run for the Packers offense. We spent all year talking about the Aaron Rodgers petty party and how great Devontae Adams was. Um, I feel like for, for fantasy, it was everything we wanted because you had a, a productive player at each of the main positions, and you didn't have to so much worry about ball distribution because it was a pretty targeted offense this year. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Adams was, I think, uh, the best part of this offense. He missed a little bit of time, but basically came back and scored 18 fantasy points every single game. I know he was a top five wide receiver all time in fantasy points per game uh, with his total this season. So he was a super fun bright spot. And then remember, like before the year, we were saying like, oh, Aaron Jones touchdown regression might come. And it did come. But he was still a RB1 this year. So uh, I think that the fact that like Rodgers, Jones, and Devontae Adams were all really good for fantasy, that's all you want from an offense. It really is. I mean, I know that I say this all the time. For actual football, having a lot of options to spread the ball around to is a good thing. But for our purposes, if we can just target a handful of guys and we knew Devontae Adams was going to be great, um, maybe we didn't know how great, but we knew he was going to be great. Uh, we knew Aaron Jones was probably going to be pretty productive, even if regression was going to hit. And then it turned out that Aaron Rodgers looked like the Aaron Rodgers of old. And then midway through the season, we were introduced to Robert Tunyon, uh, which you know was a big help at a position that we were really looking for some depth at. And I just want to ask, because I, I feel like Tunyon is going to be one of those guys that we're going to debate a lot this offseason. Because in terms of, you know, receptions and yardage, the numbers weren't really spectacular, but the touchdown number was huge for him. I always say touchdowns are fickle beasts. Should we should we look at this with a grain of salt or can we sort of dive full speed ahead into Robert Tunyon as kind of a, a mid-tier tight end next year? I think we got to look at it with a grain of salt and not just for him. I, I think for the other pieces of this offense as well, not named Devontae Adams, because he is just head and shoulders so much better than the other wide receivers as of late. But like Robert Tunyon, three and a half targets per game, I believe is what he averaged this year. You cannot bank on three and a half targets finishing as a tight end one again next year. Can he get a larger workload? Yes, of course. But he's also the first tight end that Aaron Rodgers has really taken a liking to and, and kind of made fantasy relevant in quite some time. And I'm expecting touchdown regression to hit Aaron Rodgers pretty hard. And I think if it hits Rodgers, it's going to hit Tunyon as well. And if that's the case and you're not getting, you know, all those touchdowns, like we were saying, what are you going to get? You're going to get a very inconsistent tight end who could give you five points if he doesn't score a touchdown that week. That is going to be the big thing, right? Cause, and it's, 
I was going to say it's something like what I said about Darren Waller coming into this past season, but even then Waller still had a ton of targets and was still getting a lot of looks. And so, uh, it, you know, I just feel like if the touchdowns don't hit again, if he doesn't get you double digit touchdowns, uh, then you're going to be really frustrated with, with what you get from him. Um, beyond that, I mean, on the, the other side of the things that weren't good, I feel like it's a nitpicking, but really outside of say Adams and Jones and Tunyon, um, they're just the Packers still don't have receiving help. I, I I don't know that we can count on Marquez Valdez Scantling or Alan Lazard or you know even late we saw Equinemius St. Brown sort of pop up and get some opportunities there. Is there anybody else outside of maybe those big three or four guys we can count on? I mean, are are we buying AJ Dillon for instance next year, or is it still kind of like you know the guys we know and that's all we're doing? As of now, for me, it is the guys we know. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are both free agents. So, I, like, if Jones leaves, then I think A.J. Dillon becomes one that we can trust in this offense. But, yeah, I, and I think the glaring need for a second playmaker in the passing game showed its head against the Bucks this past week because how many times did we see Aaron Rodgers force the ball and, and goal-to-go situations to Devontae Adams with multiple defenders around him. And, yeah, Devontae Adams had that one bad touchdown drop. He had the other one where he couldn't get his legs inbound. But on that third, the big third and goal play where they ended up kicking the field goal after that, and, you know, we could say Aaron Rodgers could have ran. Devontae Adams had two – and I get it. You go down swinging to your best player, it's hard to knock that. But he had two defenders draped all over him. <laughs> and that is a prime situation where if you have a second playmaker, someone else who can get open – Maybe Rodgers doesn't feel the need to force the ball to Devontae Adams, but it just felt like to me when it mattered most, Rodgers knows that he only has one option that he can trust, and it was Devontae Adams, and the Bucs kind of took that away from them. That sort of has made them, I'd say, easier to defend. Uh, I, I, I should put air quotes around that because Devontae Adams is so good, especially getting releases off the line, that uh, it's not an easy task, but it does sort of make them – uh, a little less varied in what they do. And I, I, I would be surprised if this year we don't see them go after some wide receiver help. We thought they would last year in the draft. They didn't. Um, maybe they do that this year. Now, the other thing that's come out of this loss for the Packers was Aaron Rodgers sort of sounding very exasperated after the game uh, and, and leading a lot of people to believe that maybe he wants out, that maybe he is done in Green Bay. Now, he has since sort of clarified that and said, you know, maybe that's not exactly what he was saying and he was frustrated. Um, one, do you think Aaron Rodgers will actually leave or that the Packers would let him go? And two, what happens to this offense if by some weird chance there is no 12 in Green Bay next year? I don't think the – I think Aaron Rodgers would very much so leave and go play somewhere else. I don't think the Packers will let him, though. And and if he was to leave, I think this whole offense, Devontae Adams sadly included, crumbled down with him because Rodgers has just kept this offense afloat for so long. And I get his frustration because I wish I remember who tweeted it out, but I saw um, after the game uh, someone tweeted – A.J. Dillon was the only player from their 2020 draft class to play a snap this year. Like, that is terrible. And you should, like, you know, like, you make it to the uh, NFC Championship game last year. You're, with an aging quarterback, your mindset, in my opinion, should be, let's do everything we can to capitalize on this moment. And they did the exact opposite, and Rodgers was still able to spitefully will them to the <laughs> NFC Championship game again, but he couldn't get over the hump, and... 
I understand his frustration, but I do not think they let him go. Um, but Marcus, I'm expecting regression for this offense, even if Aaron Rodgers is there. Like Rodgers scored 50% of his fantasy points this year on touchdowns, the highest in the NFL. He had the third highest uh, touchdown percentage since 1980. And the other quarterbacks who were higher both had their touchdown percentage come down a good amount uh, after that season. So if Rodgers goes from even like, you know, around 50 touchdowns to 35 to 40, like that's a huge hit for him and for this offense. That not only that, but also the fact that he is incredibly good at protecting the football. I mean, he had five interceptions this past year. And and you sort of look at that has kind of been his MO. He has not thrown double digit interceptions since 2010. So he's been very good at protecting the football. But you are asking a lot to, to have him continue that touchdown to interception ratio. Um, and again, if you're not going to put some help around him uh, and start to kind of build this offense a little bit more beyond just those handful of guys, it is going to be tough, um, you know, especially in a division where, look, the, the Bears are not – they had their struggles this year. and I think, But I think you give them a decent quarterback, um, I think they can turn things around offensively. The Vikings are not an awful team. Um, you know, the Lions have some work to do. Sorry, Steve. Um, but, but there are teams that aren't really that far away from being really competitive in that division. And I think at some point the Packers have to kind of figure things out. Um, so I'll say this. Remember last year, remember you and I were of the same mind, and we were not alone, in thinking that Aaron Rodgers was maybe a fringe quarterback one at best. Do we go back into next year with that mindset, or, or do we just sort of shake it off because of what he did in 2020? So I I shake I'm gonna shake it off in in my early top twelve quarterback article I had Rodgers at I believe seven or eight uh, like him and Justin Herbert I had right next to one another and I think to some that may seem like oh you're low on Aaron Rodgers he should be top five he's gonna be the MVP this year for me he doesn't do enough with his legs compared to all the other quarterbacks there but I still think he yeah I, I've changed my stance from last year I think he is a QB one. My only question now, though, is what is Green Bay going to do to to keep him spiteful or to keep him motivated like that? Like, do they draft another quarterback this year? Because maybe that effect is going to wear off. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just you can't keep drafting quarterbacks, right? Just to, to hopefully light a fire under him. I don't know that that works every year. Uh, Steve says Lions Super Bowl twenty twenty two, which, I mean, sure they can buy a ticket like the rest of us. So that's certainly not, uh, not brutal. Come on, Marcus. <laughs> kneecap are they going to be biting off in that Super Bowl? Ah, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, hey, look, I, look, I, I, I kid. Um, and and I, I do appreciate the fact that Lions fans, uh, you guys are eternally hopeful and you were steadfast. <laughs> and, and that is to be respected. Nah, I mean, like all real talk like that. Uh, props to you guys for, for keeping the faith all these years. Um, yeah, you know, like I, 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 Steve, I don't know if you had something to add to that. I, we love getting the Lions perspective here. I mean, we, we just got some really, really good coaches. So, I mean, how can they not, uh, not, not win a Super Bowl with that? Um, right. They got great assistant coaches. That's the spin that we've been receiving. Hey, look, if you're Dan Campbell, that's the smart move. Put a lot of smart assistants around you as a guy who doesn't have a lot of head coaching experience. The the spin is he's a good coaching recruiter. So I guess (laughs) this is the way who would have thought we'd have lions talk in the middle of this, uh, you know, exit interview session here, but, uh, you know, it's what do we do? Um, all right. So that takes us to pick number 30. And the team that is near and dear to your own heart, Florida, the Buffalo Bills, 13 and three. And uh, the team that dethroned 
The New England Patriots atop the AFC East. They get to the AFC Championship game where they lose a, a heartbreaker to the Chiefs. Really no shame in that, especially considering how this team has progressed over the last few years. Um, I mean, I will open the floor to you as somebody who watches them very closely. What things impressed you offensively about this team in 2020? To, it's just Josh Allen. Like it, the, the fact that he went from – I remember on his draft night, and I will hold that L because I'm not a huge college fan, but every – you know, analysts and everything about Josh Allen was he is not going to work in the NFL level. So on draft night 2018, I was like, anyone but Josh Allen. <laughs> Fast forward to just a couple years later, and he is, if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers, I think Josh Allen wins the MVP this year. Uh, and the fact that he was doing it once again with his legs, uh, he became, I believe, the first quarterback ever with eight or more rushing touchdowns in each of his first three seasons. Still gave you over 400 rushing yards but then put up monstrous passing game numbers and set the Bills record for yards and touchdowns and everything. Like he is what to be excited about in this offense. And Stephon Diggs as well deserves a ton of credit finishing as a top three wide receiver and winning a bunch of people fantasy championships this year. Big kudos to Josh Allen and the folks working with him because and you know this, the knock on him was his accuracy and, and how well he could get the ball downfield. And, and it was great that he had this big, huge, strong arm, but we were so like, well, it doesn't really matter if he can't connect with any of his wide receivers. Um, but he figured it out this year. I mean, I think it definitely helped, as you mentioned, bringing in Stefan Diggs, like, you know, as a guy who was already sort of on the cusp of being a QB one in fantasy, uh, adding a top notch wide receiver like that can only help. Um, but, you know, Josh Allen got better as a passer this year. And, and we saw that uh, really pay off over the course of the season. We knew he could run the football effectively. Uh, he did that. But the fact that he had a huge passing season as well um, really, I think, sort of sort of changed our outlook on him. I would normally just switch to, to what, what needs to get better. But I do want to ask, because this is sort of my big question, after what we saw this past year, would it be crazy to make Josh Allen the first quarterback off the board in 2021? Would it be crazy? No. Would I do it? No. I would take him <laughs> second off the board at the quarterback position because what he can give you with his arm and his legs. I think he's one of those rare combinations. Like Lamar Jackson is great, but you expect more with the legs and the arm. Like I think he, Allen, is kind of like a Deshaun Watson or a Dak Prescott where he can give you a lot of points with both. Uh, and to me, I, like the offense, the fact that it's not changing, that Brian Dable is going to be coming back and calling the plays and they're going to have digs and maybe they add a playmaker in the draft or a running back, I don't know. But the fact that everyone around him is under contract still and nothing is going to change, I would take him second. But to me, Patrick Mahomes, uh, it's what I say like about Christian McCaffrey at the running back position. I compare them to like Mike Trout in fantasy baseball. Like, is Mike Trout going to finish as the number one player every single year? No. But is he the safest bet to be top five, top ten? Yes. And Matt St – uh, I'm sorry, Matt Stafford. Uh, I got Steve – Steve's lines <laughs> on the brain. But Patrick Mahomes, if he doesn't get hurt, he's guaranteed to be a top four or five quarterback and give you so much upside each week that I would still take him number one. I think that's that's probably fair. I think also the point being that we've reached the point where – the first quarterback off the board is probably going to be selected in the what, second, third round, depending on, on how hyped people are about this player. 
And for all the great things Josh Allen did and what I think he can do, I don't know that I feel comfortable spending a second or third round pick on Josh Allen. Um, I don't. Spend, I really don't feel that comfortable spending it on Patrick Mahomes either. But at least I can tell myself a story uh, about it. Yeah, like I had no Mahomes or Lamar last year, but I had a bunch of those quarterbacks that were going in like the five through seven range. You know, like the Kyler, Dak, Watson, Allen, um, and Russ Wilson. So I'll do the same thing this year. Like if Josh Allen now join replaces Lamar's that top, you know, going in the second or third round, I'll just wait and I'll get Dak or or Watson or any of those other quarterbacks in like the the sixth or seventh round. I mean, that's what I did plenty. I had a lot of Russell Wilson. Uh, I had Dak in a couple spots. I had Deshaun Watson in a few spots, and I was perfectly fine with that. Um, I remember in uh, in fact in the Scott Fishbowl this past year, I think I took Josh Allen in maybe the third round um you know it it is it's a two quarterback league uh I took him in the third round and I remember getting a lot of heat from people and I was like well one it's a it's a two QB league but second Josh Allen was the eighth quarterback off the board in my draft so it wasn't like you know it wasn't like I was reaching at least I didn't feel like I was reaching um and then it was QB six two years ago so yeah so then I I I quietly felt validated I didn't you know I, (laughs) I, I didn't I didn't take receipts I didn't go showing people but I felt very quietly validated uh, after the first month of the season when he was balling out. And I'm like, see, everything's fine. You know, I knew what I was doing, even if I didn't, but it's fine. Um, as for, for the things that need to get better, I, I, I keep coming back to they just need a running game that doesn't expressly involve Josh Allen. You know, if, if he wants to be involved, that's great because it's it's an added dimension. It forces the defense to play 11 on 11 if he gets out of the pocket and runs. But I, I like Devin Singletary. I think Zach Moss can be a good running back. But Florio, I need those guys to be much more involved. And I just want Devin Singletary, like, I, I want him to score touchdowns, right? The dude works hard. I want him to be able to score a touchdown. Like, you know, give your workhorse a little bit of sugar uh, every once in a while. I, I just need those guys to be a little bit more productive so that I can feel confident having them at least as a flex option on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, as someone who had a lot, like I had more Josh Allen last year than any other player, and I faded Devin Singletary. I kind of liked the way the offense ran, but I think it exposed later in the season that, especially in the playoffs, like you need at least some sort of run game. I do not want them to become like what they were a couple years ago when they are were a run first team, and I don't expect that um, because like Josh Allen after the loss said like Brian Dable has done a lot of studies on statistics that shows that like passing plays are more efficient than running plays. So I I expect them to still be a pass first team, but you need to get something out of the running back position. You can't be in the playoffs giving your, your running back, you know, one handoff a game. I don't want to see any more TJ Yeldon uh, getting involved. (laughs) So they do, I I don't know if they upgrade or if they do feel comfortable with Singletary and Moss, but they need a little bit more out of the, the running back position for sure next year. Did Brian Dable do a lot of research or did people just tweet at him a lot that passing plays are more <laughs> efficient? Because uh, in case you didn't know, Twitter will, you, yeah, Twitter will tell you uh, what's going to be more efficient offensively. Um, all right. So that goes from the Bills. Now, the last two draft spots, I should say, are not uh, officially set. We won't know who picks 31st and 32nd officially until after the Super Bowl is over. So that I will, I will say now that uh, out of deference to the defending champs, I'm going to put the Chiefs at 32. Um, so that makes for us pick number 31, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, you know, prefacing that this could change depending on what happens in Tampa, uh, you know, in about a week and a half or so. Um, 
But the Bucks will put them at 31. They were 11 and 5. They were a wild card team. The maybe one of the craziest things I've heard uh, was that this was the first time in his career that Tom Brady was playing on a wild card team. He's played he's played wild card weekend before, um, but he has never been in the playoffs as a wild card team, which is sort of wild uh, when you figure that. But nonetheless, uh, they win three times. They went all on the road three times to make it to the Super Bowl. Um, and what I thought was really good for this team was the fact that one it was Mike Evans, who I thought was a surprise. I didn't think he was going to, to be as productive as he was this past year. I was sort of fading him. Um, I said I couldn't move him beyond 12 because I was just too scared to do it. And he ended up just kind of in the back part of the top 12. So I guess I ended up sort of being right. Um, Ronald Jones, who I, I had faith in, ended up being very productive this year. It was sort of hard to pinpoint week to week maybe where the ball was going. But, Florio, I think what I what I appreciated about this offense was there were a lot of very productive pieces. So you could have a Ronald Jones or a Fournette, Evans, Godwin, uh, even Gronk at some point, and at least feel like you were getting decent production. So there were a lot of options, but they ended up all being fairly productive options when it was all said and done. It was they they did for sure, but it was kind of unless you had Mike Evans, who was, you know, it felt like scoring a touchdown every week. But even Mike Evans, like like I feel like, yes, we like because myself, I was fading him. I had him at like 15, I believe, heading into the season. I overreacted. Mike Evans was better than I thought he would be this year. But even Mike Evans wasn't as good as he was the year prior. Chris Godwin took a huge hit. Um, So they were all good still for fantasy but not nearly as good as they had been in years past. And there was a lot of like with Gronk as some, cause I, I drafted Gronk in a couple of leagues. He had some really nice weeks, but he also had some really down weeks and, and Ronald Jones played great. And I think he looks the part Marcus. Like I think he should be their RB one heading into next season, but he was in and out of the lineup. And so was Leonard Fournette. So it's weird because I think when we think back to this Bucks team and this Bucks offense, we're going to think like they were a really high powered offense but it's kind of like the Tyler Lockett effect. It was a little bit annoying if you had some of these <laughs> players because they were they were just weeks where they would disappear. So I, I have been writing for the last few weeks a series about fantasy tight ends and, and trying to kind of dig deeper into the position because it's the one that sort of vexes us, I think, the most. Um, this, this week I wrote about mid-tier tight ends, which I, I slacked you that I think I might have accidentally talked myself into Mike Gesicki again. Um Stop that. Don't do that. Um, but, but also yeah, part of it, just a, every time you want to like write anything good or draft Mike Gusecki, just someone like slaps your hand away. My hand, like, don't do that. Stop it. Bad. You know, like, like, like training a puppy, like just squirt me with a water bottle or something. Like, stop. Um, but also one of the things I did note was part of what made Gronk effective was that touchdown upside. The fact that he was one of the most targeted tight ends. In fact, I think he was the most targeted tight end from the 10-yard line and in. Um, and so that, you know, you talk about those those floor weeks that were really low, that were frighteningly low. I think sort of what kept us coming back was the fact that Tom Brady was looking his direction when they got near the end zone. And it sort of was a flashback in some ways to their time and their production together uh, in New England. Especially when you talk about Gronk being you know, a little bit older, uh, having a number of injuries that he has been sort of dealing with over his career. But the fact that we could sort of count on him, he and Mike Evans were the two big options for the Bucks offense when they got near the goal line. And that sort of kept him afloat. 
And it is sort of like what we talked about with Robert Tunyon, right? Um, that touchdown upside is great. It is hard to count on year after year. The other part is, I mean, look, Florida, they, they have a lot of tight ends there, right? I mean, Gronk is sort of the headliner, but Cameron Brait we saw get involved. O.J. Howard at some point, you got to believe, is going to be a thing in that offense. I don't know. I feel like there was just way too many options in this offense where it's great, but it's going to be hard, I think, for us to pinpoint who to who to draft next year. I mean, I don't know if you feel differently, but I just feel like there's so many mouths to feed, and Tom Brady likes to spread the ball around that it is going to be hard to kind of figure out who to count on week to week. Yeah, it definitely – I feel the same way, and it's why we talk up offenses that have like tunnel vision, like, like the Vikings being a great example, because you know that more often than not, Kirk Cousins is going to lock in on Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, or, or Dalvin Cook is going to get the ball, right? But with the Bucs, they've so, now you add Antonio Brown into the mix, who I would be surprised if he's playing on a different team and not with Tom Brady next season. Uh, like, it's just so many mouths to feed, like you said, Marcus, that there's no clarity. Like, I had Chris Godwin uh, in a league. It was a keeper league, and I got to keep him for cheap because, you know, I, I drafted him like two years ago when he wasn't really a thing. And I was benching him like in the fantasy playoffs because there was I was like, yeah, maybe he could give me 20, but like he could also give me like eight because he was just <laughs> been so up and down. So like I went with a little bit safer options and like Terry McLaurin and and other players like that. But I, to me, yeah, like the, the many mouths defeat is great for Tom Brady. I mean, he had his best season, really, I think you could say since like 2007, maybe at least touchdown wise. And the high touchdown rate led to him being a a QB one. And I think you said it the other day, he, he had six rushing yards. It was, and, and he was a QB one in, in today's era. And it's just so hard, but it's because he was, his numbers were inflated with the touchdowns. If that comes down a little bit next year. And, and again, I don't want to sound like a Brady hater, but at some point the wheels have to fall off, right? Like, like when is that going to happen? So for me, I could see myself being like this Bucks offense. It could be just like it was last year, but, I'm probably I could see myself trying to trying to fade some of these pieces next year. A couple of things. One, um, Chris Godwin, I believe, is a free agent this year. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. I know Antonio Brown, also a free agent, potentially. We'll see if one or both or none of those guys comes back and, and how that impacts the offense. Um, two, I said this to some friends yesterday. Uh, I, I'm, I'm currently comparing Tom Brady to GameStop stock. Um <laughs> Right. Like every year we try to short Tom Brady like this. This is probably going to happen. Right. Like, you know, he's he's 43. He's going to be 44 next year. Like, you know, at some point it comes for all of us. And we all try to short Tom Brady and he goes out and he does what he did this year, uh, which is to be a QB one and help lead another team to a Super Bowl. Like eventually we're probably going to be right. But in the meantime, uh, we're going to you know, we're going to keep losing our butts. Uh, the the scary thing, up. though, is I don't think we're going to get a warning sign like. No. Like look at Peyton Manning and and Drew Brees and and even Big Ben to an extent. It just it's like they're good, they're good, they're good, and then it just it's over. Right. It's no. It's not like with quarterbacks. There isn't just a decline. Like it is. You just fall off a cliff. I think. You know. You don't. You don't get this. Hey. You know. It's slowly kind of coming apart. It's like no. It just all goes at one time. And so that's. I think that's also why we keep trying to fade Tom Brady because nobody wants to be left holding the bag, right? Like when this all falls apart, you don't you don't want to have him on your fantasy roster when it all comes apart. So that's why everybody's just trying to like short him and and we keep losing. Um, 
But at some point, we'll be right. I just don't know. At when. some point, though, they could just make it where like we the app can't draft Tom Brady or something to me. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. They'll just say, you know, this is for your own good. You can't draft Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, all you dynasty people who have him already, you're fine. You can trade him. But for the rest of you, uh, you're out. You're out of luck. Uh, all right. That that gets us to our last team <laughs> here. Uh, topical humor. It's great. Um. This is to our last team at the number 32 pick. Again, this is all tentative. Um, but it is the Kansas City Chiefs who, you know, at some point, if you sort of listen to gambling Twitter over the last six or eight weeks, the Chiefs are like the worst 14 and two team ever. Um, because, you know, like they weren't blowing people out and what are they doing? And, uh, you know, they haven't really turned it on, which is probably, you know, if you were a Bills fan, that was probably bad news for you to keep, to keep hearing that all week long. All, all I heard all week was that the Chiefs have been one of the worst red zone offenses as of late and the Bills have been one of the best red zone defenses. And there was absolutely no stopping Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, he he turned back into you know Patrick Mahomes, the wizard, uh, at the worst time for Bills fans, uh, best time for Chiefs fans. Um, look, I feel like what was good for them in 2020 is what has been good for them for a long time now, at least the last few years. It was Patrick Mahomes, it was Travis Kelsey, it was Tyreek Hill. And for, this was like the best of both worlds, Florida, because it's an offense that is great in real life and it is great in fantasy because it is very targeted, but it is very productive. You've got three guys who are legitimately the top five at their respective positions, and it's hard to find that anywhere. I mean, it, it, they're as set it and forget it as you can come right now, the, the big three for the Chiefs offense. Yeah, in 2018, I believe they were the first team ever to have the QB1, wide receiver one, and tight end one all on the same offense. And for a large stretch of this year, before Devontae Adams really caught fire, they were doing it again. Like Tyreek Hill finished as the, the wide receiver two. Travis Kelsey, there was not there was one tight end. Darren Waller was the only tight end within 135 fantasy points of him. And even Darren Waller was nearly 40 behind Travis Kelsey. So for me, Travis Kelsey was the 2020 fantasy MVP. I know you had to pay a high price to get him, but you get top five wide receiver numbers out of a tight end, and we all know how volatile tight end can be week to week and everything. So, And then Patrick Mahomes, yeah, he finishes as the QB4. He sits out the final week of the season, but when you look at it, he's still giving you nearly 25 fantasy points per game. I mean, what? and the scary part, Mark, is, is like, maybe they add even another playmaker to this offense because we saw like last year in the draft, they're not afraid to keep adding pieces to this offense. Which speaking of which, so I know we were all disappointed by Clyde Edwards Hilaire this year. Was it that he was not good or was that we just had too high of expectation for him? I think we had, and I am as guilty as anyone of it. I think we had too high of expectations for him. And this is something I realized uh, I, I realize that every year when I go over like what happened this year and what went wrong, oftentimes when we call players bust or anything, it's more to do with the expectation that we set for that player than they just went out and did and, you know, completely bombed. That does happen. But a lot of the times it's because we get really excited about a player and expect a breakout and it doesn't come quite to that level. Um, but with that being said, like Clyde Edwards-Alaire did show us at times that like he can play at this in the NFL at a high level. Really weird season for all rookies. And I think it's going to lead to him potentially being a discounted player next year because everyone's going to be like, oh, he didn't live up to expectations as a rookie. 
I I admit I I bought into the CEH hype and and I I drafted him in one league I did get him uh I think like fifth or sixth overall in a lot of leagues I just couldn't I wasn't in a position to get him because the 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 hype went so high uh that he was getting selected before I even had a chance at it but I did get him like fifth or sixth in one league um because I sort of bought into it and then I think when I took a step back mid to late season I realized that you know we came into the year expecting he was going to split time with Damian Williams. Williams opts out because of COVID. And then that was sort of opened the floodgates. And that's when we started, you know, we, we were, we were ready. We were like to the moon, like, let's go, <laughs> you know, and uh, maybe we should have pumped the brakes on that one a little bit. So I do think that he was sort of a victim of our overhype and not necessarily that, that he had a poor season or anything, but that being said, go ahead. Yeah. I would say there's a good chance that I, I have to go back and check my old tweets, but I think there's a good chance that I actually might have tweeted Clyde Edwards Hilaire to the moon because like, <laughs> I, I really thought that like he was just going to dominate this year. I I do think though that he will be better next year. Now I'm I'm curious what happens with Damian Williams after having taken the year off. You know, if he comes back, how much he works into the rotation, what happens. But I do think with you know a year under his belt, hopefully having some training camp and maybe preseason next year, if Clyde Edward Delaire gets better and if he really is discounted, then maybe he ends up being a draft bargain um in, in 2021. Um so we we talked about the pass catchers, right? We know Kelsey is going to be a first round pick, maybe a, a high first round pick. Um, Travis or, or Tyreek Hill, probably what a late first round pick, I would think. At worst, at worst, early second round, he's coming off the board. Is there a third trustworthy pass catcher in that offense? I mean, can we? Is this the the Mecole Hardman year? Does you know? I don't know. Byron Pringle suddenly show up somewhere? Is there a guy that you're willing to take a late round dart throw at in this offense for next year? I think it'll depend on what their receiving room looks like. Because if it looks like it does now, where they have like Demarcus Robinson and Watkins and Pringle and Hardman, then I think it's going to be a lot of what it is now. Like a lot of those guys shifting and. And whichever one manages to catch the long ball for the touchdown that week is going to be uh, the one that you want in fantasy. But, you know, like say, Sam, I mean, there was rumors last year that Sammy Watkins was going to retire and he was going to like move to, to live with some aliens or whatever his story was. <laughs> he had a weird story. But uh, like if, if he's gone or, or and, you know, like Robinson moves or something like that, or if they invest a high draft pick or, or money into a wide receiver, because I think that is the one missing piece for making this offense completely unstoppable because you already have Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey who are, are as hard to guard as any combination in the NFL. But I think the fact that they have speedsters who can beat coverage one-on-one like deep down the field, is it, it helps stretch things out. But if you add a true second wide receiver who can make an impact every single week, like how are you going to guard this offense? So – uh, I'm kind of hopeful that they do add a third piece here and we do get a third trustworthy each week option because who doesn't want more exposure to Kansas City? I mean, we all want as many pieces that off, which is why I think we had a lot of folks sort of you know, playing the upside for a Mecole Hardman late, uh, just hoping we can get somebody else to pop in that offense. And it hasn't happened yet. Uh, maybe it does. Uh, by the way, uh, best things. Ball. <laughs> best ball. There it is. Uh, by the way, things, <laughs> things Sammy Watkins believes. Uh, that uh, he is an alien, he has seen a spaceship, he has seen someone teleport, and uh, that we die every day and are reborn, which answers the question Billie Eilish asked when she said, when we all fall asleep, where do we go? 
Um, so if we could get Billie Eilish and Sammy Watkins in the same room, uh, I think they can have a heart to heart and uh, really, uh, really come up with some things there. As someone who believes in aliens, I'm like, like I hear that story and I'm like, that's wild. But then I'm like, I mean, if you, if there were aliens on this planet and they were like, hey, I'm an alien, none of us would believe them. So maybe he's telling the truth. So here's the thing. Here's one of the, the wild things, right? This this year, this past year that we have been living through, obviously has been, uh, as they say, unprecedented and wild. One of the low key wildest things about this is that while we were dealing with a pandemic and you know the election and all the fallout, you know thereafter, um, you know there were times where like the FBI and the CIA and the the U.S. government was like you know declassifying things, saying that they have documented alien visits to this planet right like like the government is just basically saying oh yeah no like you know we've seen aliens and you know here's some classified documents for you to read and like the the american people are just like yeah you know we got other things going on (laughs) we can't can't really deal with this that's how wild this year has been yeah (laughs) um so there you have it. Those are our, our 32 exit interviews uh, as we go and pick apart each team. Uh, obviously, with uh, free agency and the draft coming, we'll kind of get into to what may happen with some of these teams um, and, and what, what goes on for, for the next years to come. By the way, uh, I'm sure some of you know this already. We, we do take some of these clips from this show uh, and we put them out there. We put them on social media. You can find all of them on YouTube. So go check out our YouTube channel there, uh, youtube.com slash NFL fantasy football. Uh, plus we occasionally do things that are for YouTube only. Um, so things that uh, maybe you don't hear on the podcast that you didn't see uh, during the season on NFL fantasy live, things that are expressly uh, video on demand. So uh, go check it out. YouTube.com slash NFL fantasy football, like, and subscribe, right? That's what all the kids say nowadays. Um, so go and do that. Um, Last thing before we go, uh, there is football this weekend in some shape or form. Um, there is the Senior Bowl, which is going on now in Mobile, which I think has been funny because while most of my Twitter timeline has been flooded with, uh, you know, stonks and Robin Hood and all this kind of stuff, every now and then, like, you know, some Senior Bowl stuff kind of slips through there and it just makes me sort of laugh a little bit. Um, so that's going to happen. There's also this new version of the Pro Bowl, which is not like the normal Pro Bowl, obviously, because of COVID. Um, But there's a Madden version where I think there are uh, some players from both the AFC and NFC, and I think some celebrities. Like, I know Snoop Dogg is going to be involved as well because Snoop Dogg is involved in, like, literally everything nowadays. Um, Including chips? Like, you know, he's selling, like, (laughs) chips and cell phones and beer. And I think he's doing, like, a – like a, an America, America's Got Talent knockoff with Cody Rhodes or something like that on TNT. Like Snoop Dogg's literally everywhere. Um, but he's going to be involved in this like Madden 21 Pro Bowl sort of thing. Uh, if you had to pick one football thing to watch this weekend, is it the Senior Bowl or would it be the the Madden Pro Bowl for you? For me, it would be the Senior Bowl because uh, this is the time of year before the NFL draft where I kind of start to dive in and get caught up on these prospects because during – the NFL season, it is hard to for, to watch college football a whole lot. Um, so this is the time of year where I kind of familiarize myself with these players that are coming into the NFL draft and going to be the players that we're going to be discussing, you know, all summer long because everyone loves rookies uh, leading up to fantasy drafts. So I, I would be more likely to watch the Senior Bowl, but maybe I'll play 
some Madden this weekend. Can you like download the Pro Bowl rosters or anything and play that? That would be pretty fun. That would be really fun. I should find out. I mean, uh, you know, our our pal and 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 former uh, you know show co-host uh, Matt Matt Franciscovich, the franchise works for EA. He works for Madden. I should ask him. He he would know uh, if we could do that sort of thing. So I will uh, I'll do my best and I'll try to you know report back via either Slack or Twitter or something like that and uh, and let you know. Uh, I would say that that was all very responsible of you because I probably would just watch the the Madden Pro Bowl. Um, <laughs> I mean, like that is that is the smart, wise, responsible answer in like you know getting better at your job. But I think I'd watch the Madden. Pro Pro Bowl and then just watch the senior bowl clips that are, will probably come across my Twitter timeline um, and kind of watch it. You might miss them though with all the aliens and stocks and all that going on right now. Right. I mean, I'd have to like mute a lot of things to get the football stuff in there, but um, I don't know. I figure out, I can figure out a way to, to maybe to maybe make it happen. So um, I don't know, but I feel like maybe next week we can regroup. We can talk a little bit about the senior bowl. Maybe we'll get our pal Matt Okada, uh, see if he's available to, to jump in with us. I know that he's very much, uh, a dynasty football guy. I know he's watching a lot of these things. So I feel like, you know, it'd be a good time. Maybe we'll, we'll tap Okada on the shoulder uh, and see if he's available to jump in and, and let us know what happened down there in Mobile and, and, and how much we should be paying attention to that. Uh, in the meantime, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, Instagram is just Twitter for people who go outside. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we will see you on Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress 
yours today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.